The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. The song that I mentioned yesterday, can we take it to the D now? No. Oh, real pressure. The song says that we're saved by grace alone. That Jesus died for all mankind and also died for me. The reason is unless you have an understanding of the place of the grace of God in your life, there is a tendency to miss the goodness and the mercies of God. In other words, no matter what we are, we are what we are by the grace of God. So shall we just take that song again. But you can take the English version. Let me give you the English version. Just say, saved by grace alone. This is all my plea. Jesus died for all mankind and Jesus died for me. That's all. So it's just the same tune. Save. I don't know. You know, my voice is uh, awkward. <laughs> so you'll be out with it. <laughs> saved by grace alone. This is all my plea. Jesus died for all mankind, and Jesus died for me. It's a hymn, actually. So, my I'm sorry, you guys are wonderful, you know. Maybe I should have told you yesterday. I'm so sorry, please. Because this, please give it to them. They are wonderful. Every time I come here, it's such a blessing. Such a blessing. You are truly blessed. Please, can have your seat. Shall we pray? Please be seated. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you for these times in our nation and in our lives and in the church of Christ. To you be all the praise and glory. Father, as we go into your word, we ask Almighty God, in your mercy and by your grace, you'll open the eyes of our understanding, Lord. You'll give us the tongue of the learned, and we will hear, you'll waken us to hear morning by morning as the learned, that in seeing we will see, in hearing we will hear. And our minds will receive revelation of your desire for us. And the grace to go forth in the knowledge that we will learn and the wisdom that we need. Father, release into our lives in the precious name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Yesterday we started the first part of the series that we're going to take this service and the second service. And... Um, we said the text is from Luke 16 verse 8. That's our background text. Luke 16 verse 8. <clears throat> it says that the children of the world are wiser in their dealings with the world than the children of the light. I like the message version and the New Living Translation. It says, they know how to look after themselves. It says, streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They are on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. Can you give us the New Living Translation? It says, and it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. The Lord bless the reading of his word. We said we're looking at this in the context of 
the desire and the stated purpose of God that the children of God are destined to inherit the earth. That God is looking and raising the people that will have dominion and that will have control and that will take the nations. First Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, the things that I had not seen, that he has not heard, that has not been imagined by a man, that God has proposed for those that love him who are his elect. Now, the challenge for us is that we who are the elect, who are the people that God has ordained, are not where God has ordained for us to be. And the reason, like we saw yesterday, was simple. We lack the wisdom for the strategy to deal at the level that God desires us to be. And God knowing that and not wanting us to be destroyed because the prosperity of the fool will be his destruction is overturning and overturning and overturning until we will come to the place where we can take our place. But as we saw yesterday, God always has replacements. He's not going to wait on us forever. So it is incumbent on us to begin to learn insights, the wisdom for the strategy to deal with the world. It wasn't that Jesus was saying that unrighteousness is good. No, 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 no. Jesus was saying that there is a way you need to know how to deal with the world. He says those who are of the world know how to deal with their own better than the children of light. Yet, the Bible tells us that the light shines in darkness and the darkness can never overcome it. But we know the reality is that so many times we see darkness overcoming light. That is an aberration. The reason is that we, the children of light, lack the wisdom, the strategy to deal with the world. Like I said yesterday, this, by the grace of God, happens to be a bridge to the next series that you are going to be doing, step up. The reason is that the place we are going to step up to is a different level. That level, the enemy and the adversary that you will contend with at that level is not like what we have been seeing before. It's more subtle, slicker, and much more damaging. The consequences of the enemy and the implication and the actions of the enemy at that level are so much more destructive, even concerning generations yet unborn. And therefore, Jesus in saying that in Luke 16 verse 8 is, was given in the converse by implication that you, the children of light, need to learn how to deal. In other words, you need to become street smart. You need to know how they deal so that you can counter them because you have the spirit of God in you. Not that you will do it by the wisdom of the world, but by the wisdom that comes from the knowledge of God, his word, and the work of his Holy Spirit in our lives. A yieldedness to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so we said we're going to look at generally first Kings to, from the beginning to the end, to look at all of this. And there we highlighted five relationships that we're going to look at. First, the relationship between David and Solomon, which is what we did yesterday from verses 1 to 10. We said we're also going to look at the relationship between Solomon and Adonijah, which is what we're going to do in this first service. And then we'll look at the relationship between Solomon and Abiathar and Joab, which we will do probably in the second service. If we're able to, we may get to the relationship between Solomon and Shimei. And we said the background for this is because in First Kings 3, we see that Solomon had an encounter with God. God gave him a blank check, as it were, and the guy made a choice and said, I want an understanding and give me wisdom. And the Bible says the thing that he said pleased God. And God then said, because he did not ask for houses, he didn't ask for the death of your enemies, which means that every one of those things, if Solomon had asked for them, they were legitimate and it would have been okay. But he was able to ask for something that opened the door for so much more than he asked for. How did he get to know that he should ask for wisdom? We looked at that yesterday. We said because his father had taught him. 
His father had continually prayed for him. You look at Psalm 72. When we get into the end, it was a prayer for Solomon. And at the end of Psalm 76, God ended the prayers of David. So he continually had admonished him. And also he gave him a charge. And he had given him some things so that by the last verse of chapter 2, the Bible says the kingdom was established unto Solomon. And so when God came, he knew what to ask. And so what we want to learn today is what are part of the principles that we need to learn that we may become established in that which God has ordained for us. The reason being that it is one thing to get there, it's another thing to be established. So many people get into offices, they don't become established. Even though they will be in the office, they will, they don't, they lack the authority to carry the authority of that office. They never enter, as it were, into that office, even though they bear the title. God's plan is that we will not only enter, we'll occupy till it comes. And so this morning, you can get the tape of yesterday to get the background. This morning, we'll be looking at the relationship between Solomon and Adonijah. For the background, Adonijah was Solomon's senior brother. And in 1 Kings chapter 1, because David was ailing, Adonijah had tried and make a push for the throne. The Bible says he was a handsome man, very well, very charming. And he had called all the people together. And he didn't call Solomon, didn't call Nathan, didn't call Abiathar. And so he just, I mean, he didn't call the other prophet. So Zadok, he didn't call Zadok. So it was okay. And the people were already having a party, they were establishing him. When Nathan heard this, and he quickly went to Bathsheba. He said, Bathsheba, you are sitting down. God's plan, that God had told David that David, Solomon will take over from him. Somebody else is taking the throne. No, this is what we are going to do. You will go this way, and I will come. You can read that later. And then, of course, it happened. So, and King David said, come, bring him. Put him on the throne. And David enthroned him. And when the noise came out, that was the people who were with Adonijah, realized that Solomon had been enthroned. Everybody fled to their homes. That is one of the things you must learn. There are only for the good times. <laughs> you need to be able to go the whole way on your own. Don't be taken in by so much friends and no many good wishes when you are in the place of authority, when you are, as it were, reigning. <laughs> I can tell you from my own life. <laughs> it's interesting. Life is interesting. And that will be another story for another day. But you see, the thing is that when you're there, everybody will come. The minute they heard that Solomon had been enthroned, everybody fled and left Adonijah to himself. And Adonijah knew, knowing the implications because he was treason, fled to the altar and held the hands of the altar. And he said, look, they must, Solomon must give him a, an undertaking that they will not kill him. And Solomon had mercy on him. So we are going to look at the story of, and the principles that we need to learn from that today. The first is that you need to know who you are and your authority in Christ. That's principle number one. You need to know who you are and your authority in Christ. And that we'll see in verse, verse 12. Then sat Solomon upon the throne of David, his father, and his kingdom was established greatly. As the first one. See, brethren, you and I as Christians must know our rights as the children of God. We must know the authority that we have and we must be willing to exercise it and to move in it. David knew, I mean Solomon knew that God had made him king. And with the first part which we read yesterday, we saw the charge from his father and everything and what his father told him. And that serves as a background for all the work we're going to do today. And one of the biggest challenges for us as Christians is that we don't know our identity. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we carry on our inside. And so, we are intimidated by the means and the ways of the world. Sometimes we actually envy the world. 
Yet the Bible says, God has not given us the spirit of intimidation, but the spirit of love of power and of a sound mind. What happens is, you and I must come to ourselves like the story of the prodigal. The Bible says in that verse 18, verse 17 of that Luke, he says that, and he finally came to his senses. You and I must come to our senses as the children of God, knowing the authority that we have as heirs of the inheritance of Christ. That all that God and Christ accomplished by dying on the cross and rising on the third day has been that you and I will occupy till he comes. The time of being intimidated and timidity amongst Christians has to stop. It has to end. Because as long as we remain in that place and we don't know who we are, the world will always take advantage of us. They will always have one up on us. The Lord will help us to come out of that mindset in the name of Jesus. So, Solomon knew that the Lord has established him upon the throne. And so, Solomon gave certain things from the beginning. So, we need to see that. Number two is that you must know to set boundaries from the onset. And before that, you go back to 1 Kings 1 from verse 50. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught hold of the altar. And he was told Solomon saying, Behold, Adonijah feared King Solomon. For lo, he had caught hold of the horns of the altar saying, Let King Solomon swear unto me today that I will not slay his servant with the sword. Verse 52. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not an hair of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. Brethren, God is calling us to the place of being resolute and knowing what is required. He set the boundaries from the onset. He said, okay, no problem. But this is what is going to happen. If you, you have messed up, I've shown you mercy, I've forgiven you. But if you mess up again, you pay the price. Very clear. He set the boundaries. Very clearly from the onset. Brethren, whether it is in our offices, in our businesses, in our relationships, and so on, we must learn to set boundaries. We must learn to say, thus far, no more. So many times we think that being Christians means we should be timid. Means that we must always be the dumb. No, 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 no. Our God is also the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Bible says the lion does not run away from any animal. We need to know who we are. We need to know the authority that we have. And in doing that, we must set boundaries from the onset. When we set those boundaries, we must also get agreement. He said it clearly. He says, if wickedness shall be found in you, you shall die. So, we must set boundaries from the onset. Number two. Information does not necessarily mean action. Information does not necessarily mean action. One of the challenges that we have as Christians is that once we have got information, we begin to run with it. We need to step back. We need to process. Like we said yesterday, we must prayerfully consider and have the Holy Spirit to give us the strategy to adopt for different situations. God gives us information. The Bible says knowledge is what we know. It says wisdom is the right application of knowledge. So what God does is he gives you information. You have knowledge. How you apply it is what will determine whether you are foolish or you are wise. God leaves that to my decision and to your decision. But what God is saying is he expects us to be wise because we carry the spirit of God which is described in Isaiah 11 as the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of counsel and mind. In other words, we are supposed to be the light of the world. We are to be the standards, not the world. Yet, so many of us, we have adopted the methods and the wisdom of the world to accomplish the ends of God. It can work. It will come apart at some point in time. The Lord will help us in the name of 
Jesus. Now, if you read, I mean, what you took yesterday, David gave a charge to Solomon. He gave him a description of each person, all the people that he had issues with. He says, this is what Joab did. Don't let him go down to his grave with his head on him. Peacefully. Don't allow him. He says, remember Shimei. He abused me in everything. But when I was coming back, it was the one that first came to meet me. So I said, he should not, I will not kill him. But don't let him go down to the grave with his gray hair on his head. In other words, like we said yesterday, you must know the nature and the character of who you are dealing with. But, so God gave information. But you know what was very important? Verses 6 and 9 of 1 Kings 2 is that David didn't prescribe to Solomon. He trusted Solomon to come up with the right strategy by the Spirit of God. So he says, I know you're a wise boy. Don't let him. In other words, this is the charge I give to you. How you will execute it, I leave to your discretion. The same thing in verse 9 concerning Shimei. As we said yesterday, it's not always that you have to prescribe. And so, Solomon had knowledge as he came to the throne. But he didn't move immediately against Joab. He didn't move immediately against Shimei. No, 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 no. He was just running his kingdom. So many of us run ahead of God. We always come short. Because like we said yesterday, with God, the means is as important as the end. But the world is the end justifies the means. God is a God of process, a God of order. Everything must be done decently and in order. He's a God of order. And so when he gives you information, it is, up, it is now your own responsibility to go to God to know how to. There are some things that God has spoken to me about eight years ago. He says there are some conversations I'm going to have. He says he will let me know when the conversation will be. We are on eighth year. We have not had those conversations. But do I have that information? Yes. There is a thing that is called the principle of the clue and the cue. You see, you love clues. The clues is information. The cue is the action, the prompt for the action. Brethren, never just run off on the clues. You have to wait for God on the time to take action on the cue. The challenge for a lot of us is, oh, they said this person is this, this person is plotting to take your position or anything, and you begin to act in the flesh. No! You need to go to God. How do I go about this? And the Lord will be giving you the wisdom and the, for the strategy to adopt to come out of that. So first, I mean, number two is that information doesn't necessarily mean action. Number three <clears throat> is that God expects us to be wise. Colossians 1.11 tells us no, is it one eleven? Two eleven. It says that in Christ is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible tells us that Christ has been made wisdom unto us. And so God is saying that you, my children, because the Holy Spirit is inside of you, I expect you to walk always in wisdom. I expect you. To be wise and not to be foolish. You know the Yoruba is very, very, I talk Yoruba so don't worry, I always interpret it. <laughs> you see, when you hear the word fool, in English it gives you a sense of somebody that is obtuse, somebody that is dull, somebody that is not sharp, somebody that is daft. But the Yoruba says, Ashiwere. Mm, it's not me, I'm not the one who wrote it all. In other words, he wants you to understand that not being wise is not negotiable. You can't afford to be foolish because foolishness is as a stark, raving lunatic. That's what Ashiwere means. And so that's one of the things I used to check myself. Anytime I'm getting to doubt God, I'm fearing anything. The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. So I tell myself, mm, 
you are treading the part of uh, Ashuri. So he will come back. Each person must look for what he will use <laughs> to bring himself back. So God expects us to be wise. Hebrews 10 36. Quickly, can you give me? Please. Hebrews 10 36. This leads us to the next. Oh, let me look. It says, For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Number three, I mean, this is number, is it number three or number four now? Number five is that patience is wisdom and is crucial for warfare. Patience is wisdom and it is crucial for warfare. Brethren, we have to learn patience. At the level that God wants to get us to, the enemy that we are going to be contending with, the adversaries that we are going to be contending with, are so much more strategic and no more dangerous that we need to learn patience. You don't show your hand. No, no. And that has to be that you have to learn the constraint of the Holy Spirit. Like we said yesterday, it wasn't that David didn't have an idea of how he felt Solomon should deal with those people. But he yielded to the concern of the Holy Spirit. Let Solomon work out the wisdom that is apt by the Spirit of God. Patience is wisdom and it is crucial for warfare. Romans 5, 3 to 4. Quickly, quickly. See, the reason is that, brethren, the Bible says, the people who, by patient continuance, obtained the promise. You have to continue in patience. It says, we glory in tribulation, but knowing that tribulation works what? Patience. So when you are in that place, you are seeing the adversaries, they are doing what they are doing. God is saying, that trial, that test, that tribulation should work patience in you. You must learn to be still and know. That God is God. Until God begins to give you. A lot of times we walk and react in the flesh. That is foolishness. That is a luxury. That we can ill afford. At those levels. We can't afford. It's Colossians 1 verse 11. Yeah. Okay. He says, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Unto what? Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Brethren, patience requires strength. A lot of people think not acting. Being patient is, means that you are a coward. No. <clears throat> Yoruba says, The stealth of the lion is not out of cowardice. <laughs> He's looking for the best place to launch his attack. That they may make a sweet lunch. <laughs> so the person that thinks that the stealth is because he's afraid that he's doing ah. If you survive it, you will be able to tell the story that uh, it wasn't out of cowardice. So, patience requires strength. It requires a yielding to the constraint of the Holy Spirit to say, mm, "I want to move." Somebody says something, he's doing something. You know it. You want to do everything. And God says, hold your peace. And everybody around is saying, what is wrong with you? Can't you see what he's doing? Never, never. Brethren, lack of patience is a luxury that you and I can ill afford at the level that we are going. Second Peter 1, 5 to 6. After this, we'll run through. Don't worry. It's just good that we have a background and a foundation for what we want to talk. says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. Go on. And to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. Brethren, all of these are prerequisites for success at the level that God wants to reach. When you step up, the contention at that level is different. 
You need all of these things to be able to be established at that level. Next is that we must seek direction from God. We must seek direction from God. We must trust God for direction. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7 says you and I must not lean on our own understanding. We must trust the Lord. Solomon did not just rush to act. With the benefit of hindsight that we are reading today, we can see that the strategies that he adopted were what God wanted to achieve those purposes. We too must learn to walk in step with the Lord and seek his direction. Like we said yesterday, the word of God is profitable for direction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God is calling us to a place of relationship. We must learn to trust God for direction on how to deal with each situation. Isaiah 30 verse 21. Quickly. He says, and your ears will hear a word saying, this is the way. Walk in it. The Bible says there's a road that seems right unto a man, but the end of it is perdition. We must learn not to trust our... Because the truth is, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We can't trust unless the Lord helps. So, what God is counting on us is that we will learn to wait on him for direction on how to take each step. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. The next one is that no man can overrule the plan of God. No man can overrule the plan of God. In other words, you and I must now know that whatever God has spoken concerning our lives, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, it doesn't matter what we're going through, it doesn't matter even the terms of our lives. All that which God has said must come to pass. Because forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It cannot be changed. So whether they want to or not, whether they love you or not, whether they like you or not, they must acknowledge the Christ that is in you. And so we see that here in the story that we are looking at. Verse 15. Adonijah went to Bathsheba. And let us read it together. He said, thou knowest that the kingdom was mine. That was the story I was telling you about how he made a case, a push for the throne. And that all Israel set their faces on me that I should reign. How be it, the kingdom is turned about and has become what? My brothers. I want us to read together the last part. For it was ease from the Lord. Brethren, you must know that which is yours from the Lord. The Bible says the vision is yet for an appointed time. We know the time is wait for it. It will not be late. Brethren, whatever God has spoken over your life, it doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter how, what, how contrary the circumstances are. <laughs> it was yet come to pass. The Bible says there is a hope for a tree, even though it's cut off. At the scent of water, <laughs> it will bud again. Brethren, you are doing a great disservice to God when you give up in the face of tribulation, in the face of challenges, in the face of circumstances that are contrary to the promises of God in your life. You are actually treading the path of the foolish because you are saying that God is not God. Why do I say so? The Bible says God is not the man that they should lie, not the son of man that they should repent. Whatever he has said, he watches over to come to pass. He says he speaks, it is done, he commands, and he stands fast. He says whatsoever word they are sent out of his mouth, does not return to him void. He has accomplished the purpose. How dare you doubt that what God has said will yet come to pass. When the Bible says in Lamentations 3.37, who is it that speaks and it comes to pass? When the Lord has not permitted. We need to come to ourselves as Christians. We need to know who we are. We need to know what we carry on the inside of us. The God that made the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, I have said unto you, ye are gods. 
we carry Christ. We carry the fullness of the Godhead. We ought to walk in that knowledge, in that authority, and in that certainty. Can you give us the second part, 19 verse 7? The second part of it. Psalm 19 verse 7. Say the law of the world is perfect. The word, the testimony of the Lord is sure. He ought to make you an eye wise. Knowing that whatever God's word is, is sure. And that is what we must know. So here we see even the enemy, the adversary, acknowledged God. He says, for it was his, talking about Solomon. He acknowledged, you know, he had made a push for the throne. Even as we will see later, this conversation was yet another subtle play for the throne. But he could not help himself. He had to come to terms with the fact that God had given the throne to Solomon. And that is what it is for your life. It doesn't matter what anybody is saying. It doesn't matter what is contrary. That which God has spoken, because the testimony of the Lord is sure, you must come to terms with it. It doesn't matter what they are doing. When they are on their own, they know that you carry God. Remember the story of Daniel. They said that everybody knew that there was a spirit of excellence in him. All the people, all the other presidents, all the other people, they had to acknowledge that. That's why they said the only way you can catch him is something concerning his God. Whether people like you or not, whether the world acknowledge, they acknowledge the Christ. That you, only you and myself were the ones that we don't know what we have in us. The enemy knows divination. They knows what you are carrying. Kind of, ah, this one. But you see, we, we don't know. And the thing is, I always tell people, the Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong and they will do exploits. The man that is of the world that knows his God well you that you are in Christ, that you don't know enough of the word, it will always take advantage over you. Give a child a Kalashnikov. Give an adult a knife. The child doesn't know how to operate the Kalashnikov. The power in the Kalashnikov, how many times can you compare that to a knife? But the adult will kill the child with a knife, even though the child has the AK-47. If you are in Christ, you don't know your word, you don't know the authority that you have, you don't know the power that you have, you are fodder for the enemy, cannon fodder. That will not be our portion. We'll come to wisdom in the name of Jesus. And so we said that whatever God has spoken will surely, no man can overrule what God has said. All the plot of Adonijah we saw at the end, it came to nothing. The next is that you must keep your adversary close. And under watch. <laughs> See, at the levels of dominion and governance and lead, <laughs> the play is totally different. It's a totally different ball game. You need to be watchful. You need to be prayerful. You need to be constant. You need to be at alert. You need to be close and to know how the enemy is working. That's what we saw here. What did David, what did Solomon say to Adonijah? He said, Adonijah, go to your house. Stay there. Inside the city. The day you mess up again, I will deal with you. Why? So that they can be monitoring and be getting on how he was doing. As we'll see with the story of Shimei, the same thing he told Shimei. He said, Shimei, don't worry. Just go and stay in your own house. And there's a radius around you. The day you step out of that area, you know, the, that's the end for you. You need to keep the adversary close and watch. In other words, monitor. Don't go to sleep. God hates complacency. One of the challenges for us as Christians is we say, because I've just prayed, because I'm a child of God, because of the blood of the Lamb, uh-uh, there are steps that you must take. That is wisdom for strategy. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. Next one. Never let down your guard, even as you show mercy and compassion. Never let down your guard, as you show, even as you show mercy and compassion. 
You just said, love your neighbor as yourself. Yorubas have a proverb. You don't look after somebody so that your own head is now offered up. Jesus died for us. You didn't die for me. <laughs> it's only Jesus that died for me. Remember what Paul said. Say, you are saying I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. Say, ah, is it Paul that died for you? It's Jesus that died. Jesus has died for us. You are not to offer up your head foolishly for another person. I always tell people, Jesus said, when the tower of Siloam fell, he fell on the righteous and the wicked. You know why? The righteous was in the wrong place. I can always joke. I said, what they would just say is, ah, oh boy, you are here in heaven quickly. We are not expecting you in 2016. That will not be our portion in the name of Jesus. We must not be complex. We must be wise and we must never let down our God, even as we show mercy and compassion. In this case, Solomon told Adonijah, this is what is going to happen. You mess up, this is what's going to happen. He, because he begged for mercy, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't give up. He didn't just say, oh, because he has begged, okay, I'll let it go. No. We must forgive. And you must forget the hurt and the pains that come with it. But God expects you to work with the information you have learned from that experience. So many of us, we don't rightly apply the word of God. We say, oh yes, we must show mercy, we must show compassion. But God also expects us to be wise. That is on the assumption that you are walking in the wisdom of God. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 says, don't answer a fool. So that they don't think you are one with him. The very next verse says, answer him, lest he become wise in his own conceit. In other words, you and I must know when to draw the line. The same thing in a circumstance will let go. In another circumstance, you will react. When you are in step with the spirit of God, you will know how to do in this circumstance. In this case, Solomon was in step with God. At the time that he told Adonijah to go and sit down, some people have told him, no, 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 you know how it is. You need to entrench yourself. Take this man out. Because what he did was deserving of death. Why are you showing me mercy? What? No. He said, let him be. I have given him, I have set the boundaries. I have given the implications of what will happen. Let's roll. <laughs> because he knew the God that he had. He didn't run ahead of him. He didn't just give him to any other information. He was walking in step with God. So we said, do not let your guard down, even as you show mercy and compassion. And what happened here is we see Bathsheba. The guy came to Bathsheba and he said, thou knowest that the kingdom was mine, and so on and so on. He says, now I ask one petition of thee, deny me not, and said unto him, say on. And he said, speak, I pray thee. I'm looking at verse 17 now. To the king, and I give me a bishop, and Bajiba said, well, I will speak for thee unto the king. Brethren, we need to be wise. Even as you are showing compassion, God doesn't expect you to be foolish. Because the implications of some of those emotional decisions are for generations. And now is this Ahab, 1 Kings 20. God had told him and given him victory over the Syrians. And he had won the victory. And then Benadad, they ran away and they disguised and did everything. And they came to him. And he said, ah, is he still alive? Ah, he's my brother. The cities that my father said, I'll give back to him. Bring him into my chariot and ride with me. We know the story. God sent a prophet. And the man struck himself and everything. And Benada, I mean, Ahab now talked to him and said, ah, who did this to you? And he says, you are the one. And God has said, your life for his life. Your people for his people. How do you get into that place? Brethren, some of the decisions that we take, for the sake we say we are Christian, we must show compassion. On him. We have to be careful, please. We have to be careful. The implications can have generational effect. It says your life for his life, your people for his people. 
That's one of the reasons why Israel went into bondage and slavery. What the Syrians were supposed to be, they replaced. And the life of Ahab was given for the life of Ben-Hadad. The righteous must take care that they don't partake of the judgment of the wicked. God had proposed that Amalek must be wiped out from the face of the earth because they attacked Israel in the place of rest. Hundreds of years before during the Exodus. And so Israel had the first king, Saul. And God said, yes, the time to finish the execution of that matter has come. You must utterly destroy Amalek. Saul failed to. Pass forward. The story of Eman, the Agagite, was a descendant of Amalek, of Agag, the king of the Amalekites. Hundreds of years later, they wanted to wipe out all the Jews from the face of the... We all know the story in Esther, but for God. Do you see what I'm talking about? One person's carelessness. Generational implications, even for the nation. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. Next, never. It says, understand. Next one is, understand the nature and the character of your adversary. Like we said yesterday, some of the adversaries never change. Majority of people don't change. Only God can change a person. You can't change anybody. Husband can't change, my wife can't change, husband. A lot of people, well, you are making an error. You should go to the person alone who can change. Who is God? It says, understand the nature and the character of your adversary. So David, he was dying. The Bible says, the time for David to die had come. So David says, Solomon, you know Joab. You know how troublesome he has been to me and everything. Don't let him go to his grave with his head. He also talked about Shimei. Why? He was giving Solomon a charge because he knew the nature and the character of those people. And he knew that for as long as they were free to roam around, Solomon could not be fully established on the throne. They would give him trouble. So many of us, we go to sleep because somebody has said, I'm so sorry. And that leads us to the next one. Don't be taken in by insincere rapprochement. We talked about that yesterday. Somebody comes and says, okay, let bygones be bygones. It's over and everything like that. Ah, you will agree, but don't let down, as we said, because sometimes it is insincere. It is meant to lull you into complacency. And at the right time, the person will strike. The adversary is subtle, his wife, and is very, very, very. David knew the nature of the people. You must know the nature and the character of the people that surround you. You remember yesterday we said even in the church, there are people who are worse than the world. And so you must know the nature and the character of the people around. It's not about good or bad. It's just knowing things for what they are. So that when occasion demands, you will know the best way to deal. Jesus said, the children of the world are wiser than the children of light. Because they know how to deal with their own people. As we said yesterday, it says, be wise as a serpent and be gentle as a dove. If a dove should meet with a serpent, what is going to be the outcome? The serpent will kill the dove. You are supposed to be a dove with the person who is a dove. The person that says you should be wise as a serpent, you think he doesn't know what he's saying. God is the author of language. It's because he knows that you cannot wish away the world. And the world will continue, will remain in their character. That's what I always tell people when they say, oh, this person did this, he's doing this and everything. The person is in the world. It can't be otherwise than that. For the thief cometh but for to steal, to kill and to destroy. He's just exhibiting the nature of his father. You are the one that must learn the nature of your own father and behave like your own father. He is 
no point in groping and complaining. Somebody is behaving like his father. He's answering his father's name and you are complaining. You go and answer your father's name. Because your father is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The captain of the host of the heavenly armies. Brethren, the time of timidity is over. As you will see later, I'm not saying that you should be feisty and be fighting. No, 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 no. It is just a place of knowing who you are, knowing your authority, and maintaining your stand. That's just all it is. No, 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 no. It's just knowing who you are. Knowing to say, thus far, no more. Thus far, no more. He said, let that understanding of the nature of your adversary guide your dealings with your adversary. The issues, the contention that you face, that knowledge, that's why that knowing and the nature and the character is so important. Because you need to know those things so that you can use it to know how to deal. The Bible says the children of Issachar were men that had an understanding of the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. <clears throat> Next one. Is that a person who lost after what you have or envies what you have cannot be satisfied with any form of appeasement. <laughs> a friend of mine once told me, he says, if a man lost after your wife, give him your house, give him your car, give him everything. You can't satisfy him. Is that thing that is lost in after. So that if you fail to know that this is what it is, he will take you out. It will take you out. <clears throat> Why do we see this? Ahab in First Kings. Ahab knew when he had to maintain a stand. Bernard had sent to him, said, all your people, whatever is in your house, your wife, your, says it's okay. The next thing, he says, I'm going to send people, they're going to look through your house. Whatever they say that they feel like, they will take away. I say, ah, ah. So he called the leaders of the corner and said, ah, look at what this man, see how this man is looking for trouble. So he sent a word to him. First Kings 20 verse 11. He said, tell him that let him that puts on the harness not boast as he that takes it off. You need to understand the circumstances. This man had 31 armies with him. This was just Israel, Judah. They were small. But he knew God and he knew that we have come to the place where eh, eh, I can't take this more any longer. You say you want this? I said, okay. You say you want this? Now you want uh, 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 uh. Thus far, no more. Don't let him that puts on the harness not boast as he that takes it off. In other words, it is the person that comes back from battle that is the survivor. The person that's boasting before he goes to battle. When the battle starts, nobody knows who will make it. But except us Christians, because we are fighting from the winning point. <laughs> Why? Jesus has won the victory on the cross. Ours is to appropriate it. And that's our challenge. Next one. And this is where I want to spend some time is that you don't compromise or accommodate for the sake of peace based on injustice. Peace based on injustice cannot stand. Somebody goes to the graveyard and says, ah, it's peaceful. If you are to ask those people that are buried there, there's so much they want to say. Death has silenced them. <laughs> so many people for the sake of peace you are compromised. And that's what happened. So Adonijah went to meet Bathsheba. He says, this is something that has only one from. Bathsheba was thinking in her mind, ah, okay, if it's only one, this small thing, let me go and ask Solomon for it. At least he will let Solomon be at peace. Was not wise. She had forgotten the nature and the character of Adonijah. And she had lowered her guard. And so they sent her as a message. The way they sent Uriah, her husband, she too was going and carried the message to Solomon. Now, this is where I want us to spend time. Discernment is not negotiable. Discernment is crucial and is not negotiable. Discernment is crucial and it is not negotiable. Next one. The enemy is subtle and strategic. Therefore, you and I must be strategic also. I will take the two together in explaining what. The request that 
he made on the face of it seemed innocuous. Just tell him to give me um, Abishad, the Shunammite, for wife. And she looked at oh, small thing. And then went to the king. Let us look at the reaction of the king when she had told him. Verse 23. No, no, verse 22. And King Solomon answered and said unto his mother, Why do you ask Abishad the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he's my elder brother, and even for him and for Abiathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. What will provoke such a reaction? Because Solomon was in the spirit. Let me tell you, in the olden days, one of the ways you lay claim to a throne, and when you have conquered a king, is you take his wives. So God, through Nathan, told Remember when he had taken Bathsheba? God told him through Nathan, ah, when you were small, I raised you up. I gave you wife, I gave you the wife and the harem of Saul that was before you. If you wanted, I would have given to God was acknowledging the practice in the Far East at that time. That whenever one of the ways you take a claim to the throne is that you take the king, the wives, the king's wives, and everything. Remember the council of Ahitophel. The Bible says at that time the council of Ahitophel was as if a man heard from God. And what did I told my counsel, Absalom. He says, now that your father has fled, lay a tent on top of the house. The women that he left behind, sleep with them. Then the people will know that, yes, you have taken over. Now, what was even more strategic and what was so subtle and dangerous in the request was let us look at how did this Abishai come? If you look at the beginning of 1 Kings 1, David had become old. In those days, they used to think that they use flesh blood. You can warm up <laughs> old blood, you know. <laughs> it up. So they brought, they looked through the kingdom, brought out a virgin. And they kept her to keep David warm. But the Bible says David never slept with her. So you can imagine. She, and you know the price of virgins at that time? She was a crown jewel of all the concubines and the harem that David left behind. If he married her, he was taking a claim to the throne. And Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, did not know the implications. She had lowered her guard. She didn't understand the subtlety and the strategic implications of what looked so innocuous on the face of it. For us as Christians, we need to come to the place of discernment. So many times things come and are blood from, and we just look at it and say, no. It has so many things that is carrying behind. God is calling us that when you step up, this place of governance, of leadership, there is a lot of challenges. The world isn't going to change its character. You are the one that must know how to counter them. The enemy is very, very strategic. And then the last point, as I close now, because our time is far gone, is that there's a time for decisive action. Second Corinthians 10 verse 6 says, after your own obedience is complete, you must be ready. You must be ready to judge all disobedience. Brethren, there's a time for confrontation where you can't run away. That's what I was talking about. I'm not saying you should be fighting everybody. No, 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 no. You just know who you are. You say, thus far, no more. This is where I stand. I'm a child of God. This is the authority I have. I don't care who you are. Because the Bible says, who is it that speaks and it comes to pass? When the Lord has not commanded. He said, how can you be fearing a man in Isaiah? A man that's like the grass that will die. So many of us are intimidated. It has to stop. Being a Christian doesn't mean we should be foolish and we should be timid. God has not given us the spirit of timidity. And the last point is we must know when to change our position. So many of us, because the Bible says you must swear to your heart and everything, we don't do things, we don't realize. You see what happened here? Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. When she came to Solomon, read it there. They said he set her on his right hand. They brought a throne for her. And the mother asked, I'm going to ask you something. Don't deny me. I said, "Uh uh-uh, whatever you ask mommy, I'll give to you. But when the mother asked what was 
the throne, even though the mother didn't know the implication, he knew to say no more. So many of us say, because I've given my word. No, if your word was obtained by reception, it is time to change it. If the word has implications and God is telling you, these implications are there, it is time to change it. You are not less a Christian. He said, mother, what are you saying? You see, that was the problem that Herod had. Herod had given his word. Whatever you ask, I'll give you even unto half of my kingdom. And she asked for the head of John. And he said, because of the people. So many of us, because of the people. It was because of the people that Solomon lost the kingdom and the throne. So many of us, we stick to positions that are no longer, you are digging in a hole. You will go deeper. I tell people, it doesn't matter how you fall into a hole. Whether you ought to have seen, you slipped into it, in a muddy hole, or whether people push you, the enemy, or whatever. It to be playing there is your own choice. He had given his word to his mother. The people were in the court. On the face of it, it was like he changed his word. He lost his honor. And so many of us, that's the deception of the enemy. You know? You know you will no longer be a Christian. That's a lie from the peace of it. I did the one who made you a Christian. You gave your life to Christ. Christ died for you. You are not a Christian because of anybody. Whether a pastor or anybody. No, no, no. You are a Christian because of your acceptance of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and making him Lord and Master of your life. That's where it is. And so, we'll end there for this service. The Lord will help us in the second service. I'm sorry I seem to have overshot my time. Please forgive me. God bless you.